everybody who's glad to be at church today. Anybody? Come on. Can we just give Jesus the best praise? Yeah. Come on. He's worthy of all the praise, isn't he? I'm so glad. So glad that you're here today. You're in the right place at the right time. I want to just tell you that today. I need you to believe that. I need you to, I need you to receive that today. You are here on purpose for a purpose. And as, as I always do, I like to just look into the camera today and just welcome everybody who's watching online. Uh, those of you watching live and those of you who are watching on demand later in the week, and especially those of you who are at our 430 campus today, God's doing a work there at that location. Come on, let's give it up for everybody who's online today. Yeah, glad you're with us. And, and I want to take just a minute, just something real quick at the beginning and kind of point the way for us, um, because this coming Wednesday is First Wednesday. I know nobody gets excited about First Wednesday here, but it is... It is a powerful night, and this Wednesday, we're going to do a night of worship. Now, we were supposed to do this night of worship earlier this month for the February 1st Wednesday, but something like an ice storm or something was supposed to happen, and you guys remember that week. It was kind of chaotic, so we didn't do it that week. We're going to do it this coming Wednesday, all-out worship before God, and some of you ask sometimes, you're like, hey, when, do you do communion? Do you ever celebrate the Lord's Supper? And we do, and that happens on the first Wednesday night of every month we take communion together. So it's a great way to, uh, to really do that together. So that's coming up this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Now, um, today we're going to uh, step right into week four of a series that we're in called SOS, Rescuing Relationships. We rescue in relationships. And the SOS is really, it's, it's founded on Song of Solomon. That's what it's really about. But it's also a play on words because SOS is Morse code for help, help, right? So, so we're jumping into this series week four. Uh, we've talked about so many different things over the last few weeks. We've talked about the faithful attraction to each other. We've talked about how they dated. We talked about the seasons of dating and marriage. Last week, we talked about godly sex, and that was a PG-13, NC-17, all right, okay, so we're back to PG-ish today, all right, so, so we're, we're back there today, and we're talking about reconcilable differences today, not irreconcilable differences, reconcilable differences. Did, did you know that in America, 50%, over 50% of the divorces are, uh, the, the reason they give is irreconcilable differences. We just couldn't work it out. It wasn't because there was infidelity. It wasn't because there was spousal abuse. It was, I don't know, we, we just, just couldn't get along. We just couldn't work things out. And, and so I, I'm proposing to you today that we can work things out when we do it God's way, all right? And that this is the year, 2023 is the year of closer. Anybody remember that, closer, right? So we're working on getting closer to God. We're working on getting closer to people around us, getting in small groups. We're working on getting closer in our marriage. And if we're gonna get close in our marriage, that means we're gonna have to deal with some conflict. Mm, yeah, conflict. Every marriage has conflict. Did you know every marriage has conflict? Everybody, everybody deals with conflict. So the question of the day, let's start with this. Question of the day is why do some marriages grow old together and some marriages grow apart? All right, why do some marriages forgive and some marriages hold grudges? Why do some marriages survive while other marriages thrive? Why do some marriages make it 
and some marriages don't. And I do want to clarify that even if you're not married, you can get something out of this message today because it's, I want you to apply it to relationships. If you're married, apply this message to your marriage. If you're not married, you're single, single again, apply this message to relationships, to what you would have done, you would do differently in the future maybe, right? Apply it to relationships. But the truth is, we all, we all fight. I mean, even Annalise and I fight. We, just, the, just the other day, she came to me, crawling to me on her hands and knees, begging me, begging me to come out from under the bed and fight like a man. Right? It's like, we all fight. We, 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 all have, we all have little little fights every once in a while, but I want us to jump in today to, to this part four of reconcilable differences. We're going to learn how to fight right. Can I get a witness? That, see, that's the problem. A lot of us, we, we put the boxing gloves on and we're fighting against each other in our marriage, not for each other. So I want to show you today how to fight right. And we're going to jump into, um, into week four here. If you've got your message notes, go ahead and pull those out. And uh, if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to just thumb through your Bible and highlight and mark in your Bible as well. And, and, and really just get familiar with your Bible again. We're actually going to be doing a series really soon on the Holy Bible. We're going to be learning the scripture, but we're going to learn, uh, like, what, what is it? Where did it come from? How, how can I understand it, all right? So if you've got your message notes, follow along. We're in Song of Solomon chapter 5, and I'm going to set the scene for you, okay? Here's the scene. Uh, we've, we've studied about how, how they dated, how they went through seasons together before they got married, We've studied their honeymoon last week, but now they've been married for quite a while, and there's a little bit of indifference in their marriage. What do you mean? It's, you know, the way he looks at her really doesn't, it really doesn't crank her tractor anymore. The, the way she touches him really isn't all that great. It, it doesn't light his fire anymore. They've lost some emotional connection. Uh, maybe there's Maybe, uh, how we would say it, they've lost the sparkle. There's conflicts and pressures have kind of crept into their marriage, and they've lost the tenderness. And that's like some of us. It's marriages in the 21st century where we, we just we have to be on guard, right? So here's, here's where we pick up the story in Solomon chapter, Song of Solomon chapter 5. She says, beloved, she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen. My lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. You notice how he's pulling out all of her pet names, right? He's like, come on, baby girl. Come on, open the door, right? You know it's me? Come on, sugar. Come on, just open the door. He's, just, he's, trying, to, he's trying to work his way in there. He says, my head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. Now, let me, let me give you clarity here. We don't know where Solomon has been, but he's out past his curfew, all right? He's, he's, he's out late at night. We don't know what he's been doing. We assume he was at Top Golf with the guys, right? He, he, was, he, was, he was out just hanging or he was working late. I'm providing for the family. What do you mean, where am I at? You know, he's, he's just out late and he comes home and he wants to cuddle. He's expecting to get a little love, Right? And it, honestly, this happens to me all the time. I'll be, I'll be home from my long days of work. Annalise comes in, and she's, she's trying to make out with me. And I'm just like, really? You know, again? Make out again? I mean, come on. 
I might be stretching that just a little bit, but uh, so this, this is what happens with him, though. He, he's been out working all day long. He comes in. He, he wants a little loving, and, and look what she says. She stiff arms him. She says, I ain't getting out this bed to open the door for you. She said, I've, I've taken off my robe. I've already washed my face. Must I put on, put on my robe again? I've already washed my feet. Must I soil my feet again? I'm ready for bed, baby. I'm not, I'm not getting up. And, and, and today's translation, you must be out your mind if you think I'm getting out of this bed to open the door for you. I, I, it ain't happening. So, so I want to pause right here because we can learn some lessons about conflict. All right? And we're going to pick up the story in a minute, but I want to pause it. I want to give you three Three root causes of conflict in marriage. This can apply to any relationship, dating, friendships, but especially in marriage, all right? So if you're taking notes, here's three root causes for conflict. Number one is unmet expectations. All right, think about this for a second. She thought he would be home much earlier than he was, and he thought, I can't wait to get home because we're going to cuddle, and neither one of them got what they wanted. It was unmet expectations. She thought one thing, he thought another, and neither one of them got what they expected. And I think one of the reasons why we have unmet expectations in our marriages is because we have weak communication. We just don't communicate. We don't talk. And, and if you looked at your text message thread with your spouse, you would realize that it's things like, headed home. Need anything from the store? <laughs> Come on, y'all know. It's true. That's why we're laughing like that. We, we know. And so, so, so what, what if we took our communication up to the next level? And in fact, I think a lot of times we fight over stuff that we don't even know we're fighting. Like, why are we fighting over this? Like, 10 minutes later, we're like, what were we just arguing about? What was, did we, did we really just argue over ramen noodles? Are you serious? Like, what, what was, what did we just do? And so some of you, you have unmet expectations in your marriage. You, you think, well, Pastor, I, I mean, I just expected that she would be more loving, or I thought he would be more tender, or I thought that she would be more compassionate, or I thought that, you know, he would, he would be a better leader. And there's all of these expectations that we have that we don't really talk about. And so I think one of the greatest frustrations in, in life not just in marriage, but in any relationship, is the, it's the distance between what we expect to happen and what really happens. See, we build up these expectations in our minds and we think, oh, it's going to be like this when we get married. And then you get married and you didn't talk about any of it. And then you get upset because the, what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. And so it's the, it's the distance between expectations and experience. It's the gap in between. And so what do I do, Pastor Ben? How do I fix, how do I bridge the gap? Well, the one way to bridge the gap is communicate. Communication. Begin to communicate within your marriage about what's working, what's not working, what's, what's going well, what's not going well. Begin to communicate about those things. And, and listen, by the way, some of the most beautiful and long-lasting marriages that I know of have had to work through the pitfalls. They've had to work through the causes of conflict because every marriage has them, all right? So the first, the first root cause is unmet expectations. We've got to communicate, all right? The second 
root cause is selfishness. Selfishness. And I know that, you know, in a room like this, none of y'all deal with selfishness. That was the earlier services that dealt with selfishness. Not, not you guys, right? No, but really, we all deal with selfishness. And when you see in the story, when she starts reading, when she starts, or when, when we start reading the story of the Shulamite woman and Solomon, she is so in love with him. She's ready to give herself to him. But, but then he comes home late one night, and he wants a little loving, and he's knocking at the door, and she's like, I don't have time for you. I'm already ready for bed. And he goes, well, you're just being selfish. What about my needs? And she goes, well, what about my needs? You're the one who came home late. What about my needs? So, so there's selfishness on both sides here. And, and really, I think we all struggle with it. I struggle with selfishness. I struggle, I struggle with selfishness when it comes to my food. Annalisa would be like, I'll just have some of yours. No, you won't. <laughs> my food. This is my food. I'll just have a couple of your fries. I'll get you an extra order of fries, but you ain't having my fries. These are my fries. Actually, actually uh, we have act we've actually started sharing a lot more because, number one, the food getting expensive, right? It's just, it's just getting expensive, but, but number two, we can't eat it all anymore. And so we've, we've been sharing a lot more, I've had to, but I have had to get past that. I've had to grow in my sharing of food, all right? Well, listen, if there's trouble in your marriage, trouble in a relationship, I would almost guarantee it has something to do with selfishness. Well, how do you fix it? All right, here it is. You, you both have to give up your right to be right. But I'm right, Pastor Ben. I'm not, I'm not giving up my right to be right. I'm right. And you'll always be fighting if that's the way you're going to go about it. You both have to say, you know what? I, I'm giving up my right to be right. I'm, it's a mutual submission that happens in the marriage. Are you are all following me? So you both give up your right to be right. Here's the third reason. Th third root cause of conflict is pride. This is not my problem. Like, I don't have any pride, Pastor Ben. That's your sign that you have pride. <laughs> Not me. I don't have any pride. Yeah, that's, 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 your, that's, that's your signal that you may be dealing with pride. Well, Ben, I'm, I'm never wrong. I'm always right. She's the one who always, she's the one that needs to do this. He needs to do that. Well, I, I think if we could just humble ourselves in our marriage and come to a place where, where we're able to say, Two words. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I blew it. I'm so sorry the way I responded to you. The way I acted. It wasn't right. I hurt you. And I know that. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you, will you, will you please forgive me? I'm sorry. And, and a lot of us, we, we won't ever go there because we're too willing or we're, we're, we're too... We're too stuck on being right. We're too stuck on uh, it, it, being full of pride. And, and I, I can't admit that. I, I can't. If, if I admit that I was wrong, that's a show of weakness. I can't, I can't let her see I'm weak, brother. No, 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 no. That's pride. Well, how do you know if you have pride in your heart, Pastor Ben? Well, here's, here's the one sure way you'll know if you're dealing with pride. And that is if right now you're thinking to yourself, I sure hope she's listening to this. That's pride. 
If you're thinking, oh, I hope he's taking good notes because he is preaching right to my husband. If, that's, if you're thinking that, might be some pride in there, all right? And so, so we just got to work through that. We, we've got to grow in this area. We've got to learn to say, I'm sorry. I messed up. I was wrong, all right? So now we're going to jump back into the story. So we took a break to give you the root causes. Let me tell you, let me, let me give you the, the rest of the story from Solomon chapter, Song of Solomon chapter 5. It's her, it's her telling the story. She says, my lover thrust his hand through the, through the latch opening, and my heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers flowing with myrrh on the, on the handles of the latch, the lock. I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. He gone. He left. And notice what happens. My heart sank at his departure. Now, let me give you, let me just kind of recap what just happened here. Solomon's been out late. She's ready for bed. She's got her baggy t-shirt on and she wears the bed every night. She's washed her face. She's washed her feet back in those days, customary to do that. She's in bed. He comes home late. Hey, baby, open up. I just want to spend a little bit of time with you. And she says, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I, I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed. And he keeps on until finally she, she says, no, I'm, I'm not getting up. He gets mad and he punches a hole through the door. Right? And, and then she, she goes, what is he doing? She gets up out of the bed and she's going to check what's going on. And by the time she gets there, he's gone. He's, he's pouting. I didn't get my way. And he left. Now, if I could take just a moment to, to say, anytime you're in a conflict with your spouse, anytime you're maybe you're in a fight with your spouse, one of the worst things you could do is just slam the door, get in your car, and drive off, and just to prove that you can do whatever you want to do. Because here's what happens: every time that happens, the people closest to you, their heart sinks. Their heart sinks. Is he coming back? Where's she going? What was he doing? There's too much, too much confusion and wonder. And, and maybe you're here today and in your marriage, your heart is sinking. Maybe, um, maybe you're separated today. Going through a really tough time in your marriage. And you wonder, like, is this going to end in divorce? I mean, are we going to be able to make it? Your heart is sinking at the thought of being a, a, a two-parent, like, like a one-parent home and raising your kids separately and your heart's sinking. Or maybe, maybe you're still together, but you're not engaged. You're married, but not engaged. I mean, you're just roommates. You're roomies. And, and he hasn't left you physically, but he's gone emotionally. And you're... Your heart is beginning to sink. I want to tell you today, I want to encourage you with something. I want you to know, I need you to believe that there is hope for your marriage. That there is hope that when two people are in Jesus Christ, when two people are building their marriage on the rock of Jesus Christ, and they have said, you know what? Come hell or high water, we're going we're gonna to work together. We're going to work this out. We're not leaving each other. We're in this to win it. There is hope for your marriage, but it takes two. Come on, somebody, it takes two. So I want you to know there's, there's, there's hope for you today. So here's what I want to do. 
Um, I'm going to tell you something that's really simple, but not very easy. All right. Simple, but not easy. And that, that is, if you want a better marriage, if the success with anything in your life comes down to this. Success with anything. It comes down to doing the right things over and over and over again. Now, it's not just once and done. Well, Pastor Ben, I told you, uh, I, I did what you told me once, and it didn't work. So it's just a bunch of crock. That's all that is, a big crock. No, no, no. It's something you have to do over and over. I told her I loved her when I married her. I don't know why I need to tell her again. Over and over and over again. If you want a six-pack of abs, you don't go to the gym one time. Come on, somebody. You've got to go over and over and over. You do the right things over and over and over again. And if I, if I could say it this way, if, you, if you've had trouble in your marriage for years, it will likely not be fixed in days. That's not bad news. That just, that just takes you to ground zero to let you know we've got some work to do. We've got to work on this. We've got to fix this. We've got to invite the right people into our lives to help us in the, the area of conflict that we're dealing with. There is hope for you. And so what I want to do now, I've told you what I want you to know, the root causes of conflict, but let me give you three, three promises we need to make to each other. All right, if we're, if we're going to come out of this conflict, if our marriages are going to thrive in Jesus, we have to make three promises to each other. And the first one is this. I promise to act and not react. To act and not react. Let me explain. Romans chapter 12 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So um, there are going to be people who say things to you. And they frustrate you. And relationships that aggravate you. And a spouse that that annoys you and and you can choose to react and just fly off the handle and say whatever comes to your mind and and you don't really you haven't really thought about it or you can choose to be proactive and you can say you know what I'm deciding today the kind of person I'm going to be tomorrow I'm going to choose today how I'm going to react to the people who, who say rude things to me. I'm, I'm choosing today how I'm going to build my family, how I'm going to love my spouse, how I'm going to raise my kids. I'm choosing that today. And so when things happen to me, when things are said to me or about me or my feelings are hurt, I have been proactive and I'm not going to react to them. I'm going to keep my cool. I'm, I'm, not, going to, I'm not going to react, but... I think most marriages start there. Most marriages start with, man, we're, we're together, we're on the same page, we're doing this right. But then somewhere down the line, someone crosses the line. They say something. Spouse makes a cutting comment. Uh, a parent gets more involved than they should be in your marriage or in a relationship. And so they cross the line and, and, and there's frustration and and then we get into fight mode. You know what I'm talking about? It's where we put the gloves on and we start to fight each other instead of fight for each other. And somehow, some way, we all know the rules of engagement for fight mode. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's when, you, it's when you sleep in the same bed, but you sleep back to back. Right? And you can't let your feet touch or you lose points. You know what I'm saying? Like you... You've been there, like, 
You, de- you cannot talk to one another or you lose points. That's, that's bad. Now, you can sigh heavily. You can go, <sighs> mm. you can grunt. You can do those. In fact, you get bonus points if you toss and turn back and forth in the bed while doing it. That's bonus points. But you can't, you can't say anything. And, you know, the funny, we laugh because it's true. Nobody had to teach us those rules. We just learned them along the way. But if we, were, if we were just gut level honest with ourselves today, we would say, hey, man, that, that's the wrong way to do it. That's reactionary. That's, that's not really dealing with the conflict. That's just pouting because I didn't get my way. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching right there. And listen, some of you would say, well, Pastor Ben, you, you just don't understand you know, what, the way he treats me, and, and I don't. I'm not there with you, okay? But I do know that more sinful behavior does not justify this sinful behavior. Let me say it a different way. Sinful behavior doesn't justify more sinful behavior. The way he treats you or she treats you doesn't justify you reacting to them in the same way. So what we're deciding is we're going we're gonna to overcome evil. With good, we're going to plan ahead. We're deciding today, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. This is the kind of father, husband that I'm going to be in the kind of, the kind of home that we're going to have, all right? So I promise to act and not react. Number two, I promise to focus on the good, not the bad. But how many of you know the bad comes real easy? It comes real easy. It's, it, it's not difficult for us to, to, to see what needs to be fixed. But Paul says it this way. Paul knew this. And so he told us that we ought to think on things, whatever is true, whatever is noble. Pastor Ben, you want to know what's true about my husband? I'll tell you what's true about my husband. No, 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 not like that. Whatever's true, think about whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And can I tell you, it's not on the screen or in your notes. But the Apostle Paul continues to write, and he says that when you think like this, when you put the good before the bad, it says that the God of peace will be with you. So if you want some peace in your marriage, begin to think on the things that are right. If you want some peace in your home, begin to think on the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Come on, let's give God thanks for that. The God of peace will be with you. So... How many of you have gotten this one wrong? Show of hands. Anybody with me? Okay. A couple of you. The rest of y'all lying. Y'all lying in church. In church. No, we've all gotten it wrong. We, we've, all, we've all gotten it wrong. But, but let me ask you. Um, has it helped in the past to bring up your spouse's faults? Let's learn from our mistakes. And let's, let's focus on what's good. Now, let's not be blind. We, we all need to help. We need to grow. I'm not saying we just ignore the things that are bad. We need to work on those together. But uh, doing it in an accusatory way has never helped anyone. All right? Here, let's, let's keep moving. Uh, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth was her name. She was once asked, um, what's it like being married to a man who's gone seven months out of the year? How do you do that, Miss Graham? And she said... Well, five months with Billy is better than 12 months with any other man. 
Maybe that's just the perspective that we need to have. We need to change the way we're thinking about it. Because she could have focused on the bad. She could have said, you're, you know, you're right. I hadn't really thought about that before. He's gone, he's gone well over half the year. I just don't know what I'm going to do. No, instead she said, I'd rather be married to him than any other man 12 months out of the year. And that's the right kind of perspective that we need to have. So when we're dating, those of you who are not married, let me, let me teach you a little something, okay? Take some notes right here. When, when you're dating, opposites attract, right? So you get, you're dating somebody and, and she's running late and you're like, oh, girl, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We don't have to be there on, on time. It's not a big deal. I can cancel those reservations. We don't have to go there. Look, we can do a picnic in the park if you want to. We, whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm all yours. Whatever you want, baby. It's okay. But then we get married. And you go from opposites attract to opposites attack. Right? And it's like, are you seriously still late right now? I mean, we've been married for 20 years. We have never been anywhere on time. What is your problem? Can you not tell a time piece? Do you not know how to tell time? What is your issue? Opposites attack. And we start, we start to focus on the points of contention and all of those things. And, and what if, what if, guys, instead of getting really frustrated about the fact that she's late, what if you said, hey, I'd rather be late with you than be on time with any other woman. I'd rather be late with you. Oh, come on, that's a good line right there. I'm going to use that. Yeah. So if you want a better anything in your life, a better anything, let me, let me give you some help today. If you want a better anything, it starts with a transformation of your mind. I've been learning this a lot over the last couple of years, how, how much this is true. If you want to better anything, it starts right here. Let me show it to you. In, in Romans chapter 2, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So if you want a better marriage than the world has, then don't do what the world does. Okay, the world has a pattern. The world has been doing it a particular way. And if you want something different than what the world has, you're going to have to do something different than what the world does. Don't conform to their pattern, but he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're going to have to learn to think differently. So if you want a transformed marriage, you have to have a transformed mind. If you want a transformed body, you need a transformed mind. If you want to transform finances, you need to have a transformed mind. If you want anything transformed in this life, it starts with the way we think. And so we have to make a decision I'm going to think, I'm going to focus on the good and not the bad, all right? And then here's, here's the third one, is that I promise to talk and not walk. I'm going to talk and not walk. Come on, talk it out. Uh, uh. Let's walk it out. Uh. Pray together. Come on, let's pray together. Everybody say, talk it out. Let's work it out. Pray together. Let's pray to God. Y'all will never forget that little silly illustration right there. Got to walk it out. Got to walk it out. Talk it out. All right, now listen. I'm having a little bit of fun right there, but if I could get real serious for a moment. This does not apply to those of you who may be in an abuse, abusive situation. This does not apply 
to those of you who may be in spousal abuse, domestic violence. When, when abuse happens in the marriage, that is a broken covenant. And, and if I could just be real, just real, let's talk really straight today. And some guys would say, well, Pastor Ben, the Bible says that my wife's supposed to submit to me. And she's supposed to, that's what the Bible says in Ephesians, she's supposed to, the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. Well, it also says that husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church, and he gave himself for the church. He laid his life down for the church. And so, listen, we, we, we take this serious. If you're in an abusive situation right now, there's help for you. And there's hope for you. You don't have to stay in that. And you may feel trapped and you may feel victimized and you may feel like there's no way out. There are people you can talk to. Talk to people here at the church. Talk to some of, the, uh, some of our team. Get, get help for that because that is not God's plan for your life. You're not to be a punching bag. All right? And I'm talking both ways. Men to women, women to men. Because there's some. it's not just a, a, a guy thing. Can I say it like that? Can I, can I, can, is it okay to say so this applies. This is for those who we've got conflict in our marriage and it's tough and it's difficult right now. You can work that out. I'm convinced there's nothing too difficult for you to work out in your marriage. I know I have known too many people who've even walked through infidelity and affairs and, and so many kinds of brokenness and they're married to this day and their marriage is in a better place than it's ever been. We can work it out. We can, we can talk this out. And so here's what you have to do. You have to, you have to resolve to fixing it. What do I do, Pastor Ben? How, how, do I, how do I do this? Talk to a counselor. Talk to somebody about what's going on. Join a small group. Find a mentor. Fix, commit to fixing your marriage. You, you know what? There's, there's so many great books you can read. Read a book. Read a marriage book. Well, Pastor Ben, I just don't, I don't like reading. Well, how do you like your marriage? Read. Well, I know you, you talk about getting in a small group, but, man, we just don't want to air our dirty laundry for everybody to know. Respectfully, what's the alternative? What, what's the alternative? Separation? Divorce? Someone else raising your kids. And then everybody knows your business. Why not take a chance? Why, why, why not commit? You know what? We're going to work this out. We're going to grow together. We're going to talk this out. A lot of people come to the church for marriage counseling. And, and we're not counselors. Pastors are not counselors. We can give you biblical wisdom biblical counsel, but we're not counselors. We're not licensed in that way. We don't, we don't have uh, the schooling and the education to do that. But we have a lot of great counselors within our church that we refer people to. And, and if you need that, we're happy to refer you. But a lot of times people come to the church and they, they just want to talk to a pastor. They want biblical wisdom. And, you know, we're, we're struggling. This is where we're at in our marriage right now. And I'm going to tell you what I would tell anyone who's sitting across from me asking, how do, how do we fix this? All right, here's what I would tell them. I would say, well, you need to, you need to be in church every single weekend. Oh, man, we're just, we're just so busy. We, we don't have the time to, you know, we've got travel ball. We've got, you know, we're, we're traveling in, 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 with work and different things. 
be in church every Sunday, every chance that you can, and then get in a small group. This is what I would tell them. Get in a small group. Find someone that you can be vulnerable with, someone that you can open up to. Not everyone needs to know your story, but somebody does. Somebody needs to know what's going on. Somebody needs to know what's happening in your marriage, and, and begin to open up to them as you trust them. And, and then go through the growth track. Are you serious? I'm serious. I'm serious. Go through the growth track and discover your personalities and discover the, the spiritual gifts that God's put in your life. And you'll begin to realize how God created your spouse. And, and light bulbs will begin to go off and you'll begin to go, oh, I, I didn't really think of it like that before. But now that explains why you, why you have this certain passion and this certain gift. And then when you begin to serve other people, I'm telling you, it makes a difference in your life when you take your eyes off of your problem and you put them on somebody else who has a greater need than you. It does something in you. And I would say, hey, go to marriage counseling. Go find some therapist. Go, go, go do that, and it will change your life. And that's, I, I just gave you everything I would tell you if you came to see us. But here's what I've come to realize is that the, the people who refuse to do that are the ones with the worst problems. They're the ones that, no, I think my way's better. I don't think we need this. Not willing to put in the work. Not willing to talk it out. Not willing, not willing to put in the work. And so let me, let me close up with one, one scripture from Ephesians chapter 4. This is Paul talking here. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Well, why not? Because when you do, it gives the devil a foothold. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. If you do, you give the devil a foothold. Now let me explain what a foothold is. A foothold is a climbing terminology in the Greek. It was referring to kind of like a rock climber. You've seen how they scale those, those rocks and, and, and they're looking for a place to, to put their foot, to get leverage, to be able to to be able to push themselves a little bit higher. And what Paul was saying to us is when you, when you go to bed angry, when you choose not to work it out, when you choose to stuff the emotions, when you choose to just put it on the back burner and we'll talk about it later, but you never do, you're actually giving the devil an opportunity to have leverage in your life. You're giving him an opportunity. You're, what you're doing is you're opening the door saying, Come on in with your bad self. Come on in. You're giving him an open door into your life. And so I want to encourage you today. Don't stop talking. Don't stop confronting these conflicts head on. Don't, don't stop making your marriage a priority. Don't stop loving each other. Don't, don't stop talking, working it out, praying together. Keep it going. Don't let the sun go down on, on your anger. Settle it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Here's what I believe. We, we started, the, um, we started the, the day asking, why do some marriages make it and some don't? Um, and I think the answer lies in the difference between these two words untie versus unite in fact when you first look at these words you, you can't even really tell the difference 
They actually have the same amount of letters, the same exact letters, but they mean two totally different things. Unite means to bring together, to rally around a common purpose. Untie means to unravel, unbind. But I want you to notice the one letter. It's the I. That when the I is in the right place, your marriage and your relationships are united. But when the, when the I is in the wrong place, it's untied. It's not healthy. So this message today was not, it wasn't for your neighbor. Today's message was not for your spouse. It wasn't for your friend. Today's message was for you. I want you to ask yourself right now, am I in the right spot? Not like if, should I stay in this marriage or not because of the conflict. No, we're staying in the marriage. We're going to work it out. But am, am I in the right place, God? Or what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to my heart? What are you, what are you wanting to say to me? What areas of my life can I grow? So I want to ask you to bow your heads right now. Close your eyes and, and ask yourself, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you whispering to my heart? What, what is it that you want me to know? Holy Spirit, would you search us today? I'm asking you to search your heart today. Let the Holy Spirit search you. Let him reveal anything in your heart. Let him reveal anything in your life that is, that is selfish. Anything in your life that is prideful. Let him reveal anything in you that is wounded by unmet expectations. Let him reveal anything in you that is that, ha, that has been a wedge in your marriage. This is not about you, your, your spouse. It's about you right now. What's God saying to you? What's he whispering to you? And today, Lord, we're asking you to reveal everything in us, everything and anything. God, we know that this is a process, and we know that our marriage can make it. When two people founded on the Word of God, founded in the Holy Spirit, Come together, Lord. This is doable. This is doable. And so we're, Lord, there's no condemnation for those who've walked through divorce. There's no condemnation for those who've been through some hard times. No condemnation. Lord, today, for those maybe who are in hard times today, we're just simply making a decision to say, we're going to talk this out. We're going to work it out. We're not going to run from this, but we're going to run to you, Jesus. We're asking you to mold us and make us more like you. Let us become more like you. Let us grow in our relationship with you. Father, we're asking you today, would you speak to our hearts and change our lives? Lord, would you help us to act and not react? Lord, help us to... to, to, to find healthy communication and to give up our right to be right. Lord, would you help us to focus on what's good and what's working and what's going well? Lord, would you give us the power to stick this out, to, to talk, to not let the sun go down on our anger. We give our marriages, we give our relationships, we give our lives to you and we thank you that your, your leadership is perfect in Jesus' name. And with your head still bowed, if you're here today and maybe, maybe for you, you're far from God. Maybe, maybe you're distant. Maybe you have been running. I, I want to tell you today that there is one, there's one perfect example of marriage. 
and that is between Jesus and the church. The Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. And the Bible says that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world, not to condemn us, but that we would have life, that we would have life everlasting. And it says that Jesus loved us so much that he laid his life down for us. That's what a husband does for their spouse. He laid his life down and he took our sin and our shame and our guilt and all the condemnation and all the fears and all the worries. And listen, the most important relationship you need to be concerned about today isn't the one with your spouse, but it's the one with your heavenly father. It's the one with Jesus Christ. And he loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And if you're here today and you're ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're ready to, to, to open up your heart and say, come into my life. Lead me and guide me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Direct my steps. God, we're asking you right now to give boldness to every person who needs to make that decision today. And if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to boldly lift up your hand and say, I'm ready to go into a relationship with Jesus. I'm ready to make him the Lord of my life. On the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, hands up. Come on, lift up your hands. Be bold. I'm not going to single you out. I see you. I'm proud of you. I see you in the back. I'm proud of you. Every person, be bold and courageous about this. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't call you to the front. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. Anybody else that would say, that's me, I see you. I see you. Three hands. Anybody else? Say, that's me. I'm going all in today. All in. Relationship with Jesus. All right. All right, put your hands down and let's say this prayer together today. Say, Jesus, I repent. I'm turning from my ways to follow your ways. I'm asking you to forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me new. Give me a fresh start. A clean slate. A do-over. I need you. So I surrender. Will you be my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend? And from this day forward, I will serve you and I will follow you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus the best praise we can. Let's thank you.